0: This is The Future of Finance by Motive Labs.
1: Hello, welcome to The Future of Finance, the Motive Labs podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. Welcome back. You're joined today by myself, Sam from Motor Partners and Anari Rugdenhill, ING's Head of Innovation for the Wholesale Bank and Chairwoman of Comgo, a blockchain trade startup. How are you?
2: Hi, thanks, Sam. This is a really great day. Beautiful weather here in London, and I'm happy to be here.
1: Yeah, we arranged it especially for you. and we, we know each other well, and you're actually a very well-known figure in the industry on both sides of the pond, probably because you travel so much. But perhaps you could tell our listeners, those that, that don't know so much about you, a little bit about your journey. Where have you come from? What are some of the things you've done in your career so far?
2: Yeah, sure. So I've been with ING for some 25 years now. And I've actually done a lot of different things in the firm. I think it's one of the attractive things of ING that they offer you all kinds of opportunities that are very different from each other. So I would be from a CV, what you call a traditional banker. So I've been in lending, in relationship management, in structured finance in leverage finance in loads of asset classes like energy or shipping or real estate finance. And then all of a sudden, ING thought it would be a great idea if I became the head of innovation. And I must say, I totally love the job. I think it's, uh, it's a great opportunity. And so that's where I am today.
1: So maybe you can tell us, having done lending, structured finance, leverage finance, real estate finance, you've done a bit of everything. What do you think it was about you that attracted ING to putting you into such an important role as the bank changes its engine in mid-flight and reinvents itself?
2: Yeah, that's certainly what a firm is doing. So I think I had a couple of things going for me uh, build up in the years before. So one is that I was in the team that designed and implemented Agile in the Netherlands organization. And Agile was for us not just in IT, which a lot of firms do, but really including everything, product management, formula management, marketing. So whole back to forth of the firm is working in multidisciplinary squads. Uh, in an agile way. So that was already a real big change that we implemented. And within that period, I started to create innovations for the clients that we were working for. I was working on innovations for small and medium-sized companies. For instance, what we did, we tried to build a system in which we could sort of automate strategic advice because it's something that smaller companies never have access to. They cannot pay the McKinsey's of this world. Mm -hmm. So we tried to automate that, benchmark them against others, and create tooling that was easy enough to use for them. And then later, when I was in real estate finance, in that role a couple of weeks, and I saw all the data that we had, I thought, wow, this sector is ready for disruption. So we should start working with all the data and make sure we do things very, very differently. There's so many middlemen, there's so many fees in between. So this looked like a perfect area. So that's where I again started to work on a couple of innovations for our clients. So then they said, maybe you should do that as a full time job.
1: I think anyone that can help implement Agile end to end across an organization. Clearly understands the cultural importance of doing something like that. And innovation is all about culture. How do you encourage people to think so differently? Super impressive, namely because ING is such a large bank. People don't realize, but it's operational pretty much across the entire world. It's a brand name, everyone knows, but can you maybe tell our listeners a little bit more on the context and the vital stats of the firm? How many people, where, what products, number of investments, all that sort of stuff?
2: Sure, sure. So like you're saying, ING is a very big bank. We are present in over 40 countries in the world, and really Asia, Europe, Americas. So very widespread. We have 54,000 people. We have 600 million or something assets and a larger balance sheet because you need a bit of capital and some other stuff as well. And we are indeed very big on innovation and really changing the way we work simply because we believe that banking as a service will always be needed, but not necessarily by banks. So to actually create a future for what we are doing, and with that helping our customers long term, we know we have to change. And one of the things by which we're changing is investing in startups. So, we now have 20 investments and some 160 partnerships wow. because very often uh, startups are not that much interested immediately in the money. They are very often way more interested in our knowledge and our client base. So we have a lot of partnerships going.
1: Awesome. The world really did change, and not just for for the consumers, but mostly for the banks, actually, after the global financial crisis. And I think it quickly became clear that those that really embraced innovation, that changed their models and allowed themselves to leverage new technologies work with new regulations, create new business models, and most importantly, focus on the consumer, we're going to be the ones that really won. Can you break down for us what ING did in terms of forming an innovation model, deployed at a kind of group level to capitalize on that potential?
2: Yeah, I think it has been a bit in the DNA of ING for a long time. So arguably, we were the first startup with ING Direct a long time ago. So uh, we disrupted banking ourselves with ING Direct. And it is really something that is in the DNA of the firm. But on the other hand, we are also a bank. And the moment you enter a bank, basically you are taught to look at risks, to do risk management, to mitigate risks. So your DNA starts to be built around risks rather than opportunities in entrepreneurship. So it still is a culture change, even for a firm like ING, even though, you know, we've We've even researched this, and the outcome was that our profile of the people that we have is really more entrepreneurial and curious and learning Mm -hmm. and creative than of many other banks. But still, we're a bank, we're a regulated industry. It's a, a field that you have to play in. So it's very interesting to see. You have to do things on both sides at the same time. You still have to make sure that you comply with all the regulation, that you do the right things. And on the other hand, you really have to move to new business models. And that's why, you know, we try to build ecosystems and make sure we don't do things ourselves, because we know that there's other people better at certain things than we are. So That's why we work so much with fintechs. We are at the moment working a lot with regtechs as well, because that will help us make the whole compliance side a lot better than that we Mm -hmm. can ourselves. So we recognize that there's stuff that other people in the world are better at than we are that's the people we try to find.
1: Thank you. And we've got a a fairly broad demographic of people that listen to this, but there's always a large contingent of entrepreneurs that like to listen to this, whether they want to hear from entrepreneurs themselves or entrepreneurs like yourself and people that are steering big ships like ING. When you think about bank, fintech, partnerships and collaborations, ING's already forged some of the greatest. My personal favorite, and I'm a little bit biased because one of the founders is a good pal of mine, but your relationship with Scalable Capital is I think a perfect example of working together with a firm that's smaller, nimble, and doing something quite pioneering, in this case in the robo-advisory ETF space, to catapult each other forward in the industry. Can you talk through some of the highlights with the partnerships that ING has, and what attracted you to those partnerships in the first place?
2: Oh sure, so Scalable is interesting, because in Germany we have a very large bank. It's not that well known, but I think we're the third largest savings bank in, in Germany. But our product suite is relatively limited. So we have savings, payments, uh, mortgages, but we don't have the full product suite there. And we don't have any branches. So we do everything direct. Which means that if you want to go to a little bit more high-value products like investments, you have to rethink your business model. So it was super mm-hmm. interesting that we could work with Scalable, who had basically cracked the nut of doing this direct rather than to branch advisors yeah. uh, with robo-advice. And basically, we're now you know, working with our 8 million clients there with Scalable to make the product work in the market. And I think... It's not my primary line of business, but what I hear about it, it's super successful.
1: Yeah. I think it's actually one of the largest robo-advisors in Europe now with, with exactly. NG's partnership. Exactly. It's incredible.
2: So it really fitted our way of working very, very much, which is important to us. Then it really complemented what we were doing ourselves. And actually, I think when we, when we are looking at new products or services to our clients, when we try to solve the problems they're having... The moment we have established a problem and we're looking for a solution to do something with that, the first thing we do is look outside. Mm -hmm. Has Mm -hmm. somebody already built it? Is somebody working on it? Can we partner? Can we buy them? And if nobody's done it or it's not in a way that we think is the best way forward, we will start building it ourselves. So one of the other things we are working on, it's in my area, is um, with a company called Action AI. That's a data science team, which had certain algorithms that suited very well for purpose that we were doing in the syndicated loan market. So we were saying, you know, this is now a syndicator knowing a lot of banks, visiting them all the time and then saying, well, you know, I think for this deal, I might select bank A, B and C, but why would you not actually do that decision based on data? -hmm. So, that's a partnership we created together where we can predict which bank is very likely to enter this deal or not. And it makes a syndication process for a client way easier because their hit ratio is much higher. They don't have to talk to banks that will never come in the syndicate anyway. Mm -hmm. And it makes our own work a lot easier. So, it's a great partnership again.
1: So, when a bank thinks about emerging technologies, right? And let's let's use AI as, as the obvious example. Before you guys build out an internal capability, do you look to partner with those emerging technologies and some of the firms that are doing it best? So that you get to, I guess, sort of trial and error, some of the ways of working with that technology.
2: I think actually, with respect to both blockchain and AI, in which we have very strong teams in ING, we really started with some people ourselves. It was actually that a business owner thought at some stage, hey, this is an interesting emerging technology. Let's make sure we know more about it. And to be able to really think about use cases and where it can be applied best. We like to have a small team of people who understand banking really very well. So part of the team is homegrown ING and part of the team is really like we hired a PhD cryptography in our blockchain team. And we have a lot of data scientists, PhDs in our AI team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for technology, we really also want to have some real knowledge inside.
1: Okay. Talking about partnerships, I would be remiss potentially foolish, not to mention our own partnership. Absolutely. ING are one of our uh, our prize partners, and we've had the huge privilege of forming that partnership with ING based on your labs model, helping you guys build out your London-based real estate finance lab. Perhaps you could talk about why your lab's focus has been so pivotal to your broader innovation strategy. I mean, you have labs in multiple regions focused on multiple things, and it's been an exponential catalyst to getting stuff delivered. Can you talk a little bit about what you guys are up to?
2: Absolutely. So innovation for us is really at the heart of the strategy for ING because we really believe that we have to create new business models and new products to serve our clients and to make sure that they can keep doing what they are best at. This is not something we do in a corner somewhere to uh, be fancy and attract some people because we're so cool. This is really something that is in the heart of our strategy. So we want it in areas where we think our clients need us most and where we have a right to play. So we opened labs in various parts of the world. So obviously we have activities in Amsterdam, but I also opened a lab last year in Singapore and one in London where we work together. And why did we do that? So we will also go to the U.S. I will go to New York at some stage. But you want to be connected to any ecosystem that's out there. And I think within Europe, we very much have the tendency to look at the Anglo-Saxon world, where so much is happening in Asia. So that's why we really wanted a lab in Asia to be connected to a different ecosystem with different innovations and different technologies being big there. And then you think about, okay, what would be a good space to work in, in a location like Singapore? And we chose trade simply because we are a very large player or the largest player in the world in trading commodity finance, mm-hmm. we're very big in shipping, we're very big in metals and mining, so we have a right to play, we say. You know, we know a lot about this space, we have a lot of knowledge, we have a lot of client relationships, so you can actually really do something and move the needle in that space. In London, we choose to work on real estate together with Motif, which is much to our liking. Because real estate, like I experienced in my real estate finance days, is actually a space that's ready for disruption. Um, so we really wanted to do that. And we are one of the largest global real estate finance banks in the world. Again, gives us a right to play. We have a lot of knowledge, a lot of client relationships. We know what the issues of clients are, what is the stuff that they really hate in the processes that they encounter, what do they really want us to work at. And London is a perfect place for that. There's a lot of the big investment companies in real estate are based out of London. So it brings you close to the clients and that's what we're doing there. So it's always a combination of, is there a good ecosystem and what is actually furthering our strategy? What is a space where we think we have enough to bring to the table Mm -hmm. to really make it work? And sometimes we're looking at, we haven't really built it out yet, but we're looking at things where we have actually no big position. Because the easier part of innovating in a space where you have no big position is that the risk of cannibalizing yourself is really low. If you want to grow in a certain space where you're not present at all, well, you know, why on earth would you do it the traditional way? Uh, Try to disrupt it from start. So that's a couple of things we are thinking about at the moment to do.
1: Let me play back some. So you've got innovation at the heart of your strategy, but the core focus really is on serving your clients and leveraging the the depth of expertise. And it's not fintech tourism. I love that. That's that's a key part of it. Okay. We're going to have a little chat about some of your forward-looking ambitions. And I think particularly for those that are listening that could be future partners of ING, it'll be super useful. So what are your innovation priorities, both for you and for the bank more broadly over the Next 12, 24 months?
0: Well,
2: I think they're largely centered around the value spaces that we've identified. So it's at least trade, real estate, and RegTech. Regtech is a big one for us as well. That's one where we work more with fintechs than that we build ourselves, simply because there's so many people who are working on this already. And why should we be better? That's a little bit more internally focused because mm-hmm. it's, you know, solving our issues. But what we also find is that once we've solved our own issues. We are not the only firm in the world who has this issue. So if we solve something internally, we can very easily commercialize it and help other companies with it as well. So that's what we are always at the lookout for. And we have a couple of interesting things going on in that space. I think those are the core ones that we work on today. But also we are working a bit more on the consumer side on stuff that is a bit more far out. So we are thinking about what's happening in the world, obviously on sustainability. So there's a lot of things that we're looking at. Where can we partner or create stuff from our own expertise on sustainability? Where can we make the world a little bit better? We are looking at stuff like mobility, like housing or shopping or the big live events of people. Because that's something, you know, where you can move the needle, where you can do something impactful. And I think that's always at the heart of what we're trying to do. We, we try to do something that's impactful to our clients and to people rather than do the little things somewhere.
1: Absolutely. That's really interesting hearing, particularly hearing you talk about life events and what's important to the consumer. I was at an open banking dinner last night with some of the UK's prominent figures in open banking, excluding myself. And one of the interesting use cases was a firm that's using open banking and account information for dating to leverage a dating app. Why wouldn't you try and match someone based on your account information and and the stuff that a bank knows that you like to do? Or TPP knows that you like to do.
2: Interesting. Super interesting.
1: But yeah, applying that data and your existing models to to be impactful for a consumer is unquestionably the way of the future. We met in Davos with Isabel Fernandez. It was a huge privilege. Uh, Isabel is the CEO of the Wholesale Bank at ING. And she actually said a phrase that really stuck with me, and it's kind of on the same track as that impactful stuff for consumers, around the importance of financial institutions building communities. And I've been thinking about it a lot. And in fact, we even had a brainstorming session around what those communities might look like across different areas of the financial services ecosystem. But it also extends so far beyond banking. How are ING looking to build communities?
2: I think there's two tracks to this. So on the consumer side, it's really like I said before, it's being in the life events of people, and it's also being in the life of people. So, you know, banking is a nuisance for people. You know, the, all the activities they have to do in banking, it's something you think on the Saturday morning, oh, shoot, I still have to do this, and I hate doing it, and I'd rather go a out and do something purchase. with my purchase. You never friend.
1: want to buy Exactly, services.
2: you don't want to do this. So, for starters, it has to be as easy as possible, so you spend as little time as possible on it. But ideally, it actually create something that will make you feel happy and connected to your friends or connected to new people. So that's something we are looking for So in in things we are doing on the consumer side. Where can you actually be in the life of people and change financial services from a boring nuisance factor to something that is part of people's life that they want to live? And on the wholesale side, it's a bit different, of course, because there everybody you deal with are in their professional capacity. Mm -hmm. So a CFO or a treasurer of a company is still a human being, but he is acting in his professional capacity rather than in his social capacity that he normally does. And there we try to build communities in a slightly different way. It, It comes back to what I was saying earlier. We really think we cannot do it all ourselves. We have to partner with people. So, for instance, I have a couple of really great data scientists in my team. They're super brilliant. They've created brilliant algorithms. And even though I'm scaling the team really rapidly, I will never have the brain power and the math minds of the brightest people in the world because there will only be so many that will work for ING. So it's way smarter to actually open source those kind of things to make sure that other people can sort of in developer portal-like environments, join what you are doing and create or benefit from the skill that we are creating with our brand, with our client exposure. So it's creating that kind of ecosystem where people can share things and do things together. Levering each other's strong points is way more interesting for us than trying to think, you know, I have a couple of great data scientists, let them build algorithms. Yes, I do, Mm -hmm. but there are so many others as well.
1: I love that. So collaboration communities and creating things open source, which is kind of what we were talking about earlier. And doing things quicker and cheaper and more effectively, it's always a, yeah, an ambition of innovation departments. And it's something that Motive Labs, as you know, we believe in heavily. Bring as many people to the table that can contribute Absolutely, towards a, yeah. a bigger outcome. Combine R&D costs, combine brain power, and create things that can be so much better than doing it in isolation. Let's talk new business models for a moment. You know, particularly in the birth of open banking, we're seeing that kind of iOS moment for the iPhone where they built apps on top of the, uh, their infrastructure. It was a change of business model. That If Steve Jobs had shown you the iPhone 10 years ago and told you that it would be the end of the taxi industry, you just wouldn't have (laughs) believed him. But I think there's a lot we can learn from those moments in time. What are ING doing to evolve commercial models and operating models?
2: I think we're not unique in this, but we, like many others, believe that the business model of the future is a platform rather than a single-minded sort of business model. And that's the vision why we are also creating so many partnerships, You don't own everybody on the platform. You basically connect people and you connect services. Um, So in the end, it is about, do you bring something to the table that is so valuable to people that they will actually join your ecosystem or your platform rather than somebody else's? And I think Apple created with the App Store much more than with the phone. And for us, you know, the jury will be a bit out on what will be the best thing for banks to do this from. But I think we have a couple of crucial capabilities That will help us there. I think one is around identity of people. This is something that's getting more and more important. What is an identity of somebody? An identity, not just like this is my passport, but there's so much more to identity. There's reputation to it. There is lifestyle to it. There's a lot of things where because we know people really well. We know our customers really well if only because we have to do all the customer due diligence. (laughs) It's something we can help other people to establish certain trusted relationships. So, for instance, in my world, in the wholesale bank, you can sort of establish a trust relationship with a supplier that you've never worked with. This has been something that banks have been doing forever. So when you have a new supplier... Then this client asks us whether we can give a support letter for this client because they're banking with us somewhere. Then we write a really nice love letter with no obligations at all. So we've worked with this party for 30 years, whatever. That's uh, that's very valuable, which is a little bit old-fashioned. And why should we not be connecting a lot of people? You know, you like the, the Facebook model where you can like somebody or not like somebody or you give somebody stars. So that's the kind of future of identity, where I think as a bank we can play a role. So that's stuff we're looking into at the moment. Where can we build a control point around which you will create so much value for people that they would like to use your network.
1: Yeah, I think the gamification of banking is something that was talked about a lot a few years back, but hasn't actually really been evolved and, and acted upon. But it's definitely a way to take that seriousness out of financial services and to, to kind of bond with the consumer. I keep on also thinking about how good your brand name is. ING, you can do connecting, connect ING we with, use it with everything. Yeah. I bet you do. Yeah, I was literally <laughs> just thinking that super smart name. I suspect it probably wasn't what ING originally Virginia not system. at all, not at all. What, what does IAG stand for? Is it? Oh, is it's, it...
2: it's a long time ago. It was when we merged with an insurance company, which was called Nationale Nederlander. We called it Internationale Nederlander Groep ing yeah okay. so nobody knows it anymore but it's uh no, it's just an amazing ing <laughs> is name. just a very good a strong band name yeah
1: oh, awesome okay let's take our focus away from financial services as much as i love talking about fintech but let's talk a little bit about annery yeah. um you've already had a super diverse career at the bank and i imagine you've seen a lot of leaders come and go and also in the technology ecosystem more broadly who have been some of the people that have really influenced your way of thinking
2: If you look at my whole career, the red thread around it is that I have always been involved with clients and my basic driver has always been that I really want to understand what drives them, what keeps them awake at night, what is the stuff we can really help them with and really add value with. And to me, super inspiring people, and I know it's maybe a bit common, but I love the way Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs describe the way they think they should deal with customers. So their total focus on customers and their total belief that if you do the right thing for customers, in the end, your firm will always benefit, is super inspiring to me. You know, I very often read books about them and I reread them simply to catch those phrases and to resharpen my mind into how far you should go in just putting the customer first.
1: That's Yeah, that's super insightful when you say obvious, but actually I think a lot of people forget about it. In the capitalistic world, people are often very inwardly focused. How can we create short term upside? And actually I think those that win will have a focus on the end consumer and it'll be one of longevity. So if financial services, well, you've already said some of the tech titans, I, I can already picture you uh, building your own tech shop. If it wasn't financial services, what was the child version of Annery wanting to do?
2: Well, it's an interesting question. I had very far out ambitions when I was a child. So I think that was already my innovative spirit that was getting me into this. So I've always had ambition for roles that were bordering on the impossible. So when I was really little, I wanted to be a knight. And for a woman, that was quite difficult. Would have been quite difficult at any time. <laughs> so uh, that was sort of bordering on the impossible. When I grew a little bit older, I wanted to be the first colonist on Mars. I think I can still do that. I'm not Definitely sure it's can. still my ambition, but <laughs> it's, it's something I really wanted as a child.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what your family would say or ing would say if you told them you wanted to go set up a lab on, on Mars. But
2: yeah, you never know.
1: <laughs> I, I love I love the ambitions, Annery. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. Your part partnership means a huge 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 amount to us and i love that that we're always achieving new things together so thank you for being on the podcast absolutely and look look forward to spending more time with you absolutely we will thank you for your time and insights and thank you very much for tuning in i'm sam see you next time